Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rebel Mama Hotline. It's our third one, and we're starting to get the hang of it. We hope you enjoyed the first two episodes, and if you're a fan, subscribe and share with mamas who need it in their lives. Today, we're discussing men and toddlers. Dare I say it? One in the same? (laughs) So many jokes are coming to mind right now, but... Just to be clear, we're not here to man bash. We love the men in our lives and we have three boys between us. Which makes this topic all the more important to discuss. So from scouring over any posts about men written in our community over the past seven years, we whittled it down to the four main things that bother women most about men. Are you guys ready for this? I don't know if they're ready. Okay, so the first one is that they're insensitive, which means that they just say the wrong things at the wrong time and or just don't know how to act. That they're hard to communicate with, which means they tend to shut down when challenged. That they're clueless. They have to be told every single thing in detail in order to execute a task. Mm -hmm. and that they're victims of internalized misogyny even the good ones are known to revert back to the 1950s mentality which we know we've seen we've Mm -hmm. seen Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody's nodding right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) so here's the question now why are today's men like this And, you know, it kind of, it extends past the way they act in the home. You know, men are in a precarious situation. They're the most likely to commit suicide. They're the most likely to commit a homicide or an assault. They're more likely to experience extreme feelings of loneliness. They lack social connections with their friends and loved ones. Men are a hot fucking mess over there. What the fuck is going on with (laughs) them? Well, you know, like most things, ingrained behaviors like this typically stem from childhood. So let's look at how they were raised. True. Many men were raised in a culture of misogyny, i.e. not shown what an equitable relationship looks like and expected to acquire an assistant, a housekeeper when they got married, expected that earning more gave them the power to bend the standards of accountability. Though to be fair, most of this is because of their upbringing and not their own fault. Except now it's our problem as the girlfriends, the wives, the friends, the sisters. It's true. So if you think about it, the men that are adults now were born in the 70s and 80s and were probably raised by boomers, many of whom had internalized very traditional gender roles from their own parents from the golden generation. So these guys were taught to suppress emotion at all costs. Suck it up. Be a man. Quit your crying. Oh, God, I can't tell you how much I despise that point of view. And, you know, it's still it's something you have to deal with. My husband was kind of brought up that way, too. I know. Same. And it's something that, you know, we clash about often as parents. But, you know, I guess that that's our job, right? To clash and to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So what bothers me, too, is that most of these guys that were born in the 70s and 80s they weren't really encouraged to cook or taught how to clean but then these poor guys grew up (laughs) and then met us women who were born and raised in the same time with completely different messaging and now they've had to reconcile with that ever since I almost feel a little bad for them (laughs) yeah just a touch (laughs) but you know they gotta face this though that's the thing they gotta start listening and talking about it so my family were two girls and my mother 
taught us at a very early age to strive for the best and to shatter those glass ceilings. Um, My parents are both architects. They made the move to Canada when I was six and my sister was four. And we had those opportunities as women to, you know, go out and do those things. And my mom was like the OG rebel. She wanted us to, to kill it. Well, look at her now. She has one rebel mama and one medical researcher to show for it. So <laughs> yeah, I not bad, right? That, I think that, yeah, mission accomplished there. So it's funny because once you get into a relationship or a marriage, you really have to start to unpack how you were raised mm-hmm. and how your partner was raised. And sometimes it just doesn't align and you don't even really start to figure it out until there's kids in the mix. Yeah. Kids really highlight it Oh yeah, (laughs) because before that, you're just kind of having fun and going out to dinner. But when you realize, okay, now we have to raise human beings and how are we going to parent them and what are the values? Then shit gets real. Totally. So anyways, men, why do we love them? Why are we attracted to them? Well, according to our not-so-formal research, one thing for sure is their physicality. Mm, Yeah, I mean, this is why I watch sports, to be honest. We all know that's why you watch sports, babe. Another thing is the pride they take in providing for their families. Yes, and there's definitely something to be said for that, and it's endearing and amazing. And their fierce loyalty. Well, yeah, like, here's hoping. (laughs) Their childlike qualities. Which may or may not just be straight up immaturity, but we're not entirely sure on that one yet. (laughs) Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. How about this one? How about their money and privilege? Once upon a time, marrying a man was literally our only shot at getting those things. (laughs) And in a lot of ways, it actually still is the fastest and surest track. Well, maybe we should be more specific here. What attracted us to our men? Our partners have a lot in common in terms of their demeanor and some defining characteristics. It's true. We both picked men that are warm and kind. They both love music and they've been known to bust a move, which I think (laughs) is a very important quality in a man. That's my opinion. Yeah. And they're loving and they're nurturing with their nieces and their kids, obviously. And they don't necessarily like being the center of attention all the time, which is awesome because we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I we've been with our partners for a decade now. And I think one of the most endearing things was like, they really always looked out for us when we were young and irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I really don't believe that masculinity is a bad thing. I think that in all of us, there's a balance between the masculine and the feminine. And as long as there's harmony there, you're good. Yeah. And you are a little bit of both. Each, you know, each of us is a little bit of both. I'm definitely part masculine. (laughs) Same here. Um, But it's when one totally outbalances the other. That's when the problems arise, right? Agreed. So that begs the question. Is there such a thing as positive masculinity? What does that look like? What can that look like? Well, we asked our dear friend. Okay, he's also my spiritual advisor. (laughs) If he could lend his two cents on that positive masculinity looks like in real life. Chris, who's in Los Angeles, has two grown daughters, 18 and 21, I think, and a fierce wife who takes no shit. So let's hear what he had to say. Positive masculinity. Isn't that a lot to moron? <laughs> I tell you, I was really fortunate enough to be raised by 
a strong mom and an even stronger grandmother. But more importantly, to see my father accept that quality and then definitely mapped out everything from my childhood into adolescence. And I believe that's why I married such a badass girl. You know, that's the kind of woman that I want in my life and that's the kind of woman I want my girls to be. I want them to be tough and strong, but I also want them to be accepted by the men in their life, whether it's friends, boyfriends, husbands, associates at work. I don't think there's anything wrong with men to be raised as strong-minded, strong-willed, to be tough, to want to be the breadwinners. But as long as they couple all that with compassion, I think is the key element in all this. Okay, I love that. It just goes to show you how much your childhood plays into it and how you're raised and the people that you're surrounded with. Totally. And, you know, you hear this all the time. There's the mom sets the example for the sons of what a woman can be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's such a beautiful responsibility that we have. I want to talk to him more about the role that his dad played in all of this. I'm so curious. Oh, we Um, could do some follow-up. I know. We're going to have to have him on as a guest for a full show because he is the best as your unofficial spiritual advisor. (laughs) He's a good one. But yeah, this is fascinating to me. I love the way that the concept of masculinity is evolving. Some examples of positive masculinity in the media that I love are, Mm -hmm. and you love too, are Stanley Tucci, Jeff Goldblum, Harry Styles, Doug the Second Gentleman. Love him. (laughs) <laughs> LeBron James, Kobe. Oh, Kobe. I mean, he was just getting started with um, his daughter and women's basketball and like taking that to the next level. He was on a good track. He was. Let's not talk about Kobe now. No. Kobe, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so we mentioned before, we both have male kids. So what does that mean to us? How do we feel about it all? Yeah, I actually, I'm happy that I have male kids because I feel like I would have totally written off men if I didn't. Um, (laughs) My sons really remind me of the innocence of boys. They show me that men aren't born fucked up or clueless. They're made that way by their parents and by the society they come of age in. Definitely. Um, I think it's a huge responsibility to be the parent of a boy today. We (laughs) cannot let them fall into the same traps as the men of the past and we can't let them be the kind of guy who's going to turn a blind eye to the Epsteins and Weinsteins of the world and that's on us and that's on society too but as you could tell by Chris's message you know a mom has a very important role to play in all this so it's a big responsibility and funny because when we had boys, we thought it would be the easier out of the two. I was like a tough teenage girl. So I was like, oh God, I hope I don't have a girl that's like me. I, I you know, raised so much hell. But there's a, a lot of work ahead of us. And we can't let these boys be surprised by the idea of working under a woman. We can't let them get talked out of being nurtured, nurturing caregivers for their own kids, aka not telling them to man up and boys don't cry and and things like that right totally we one thing we can't do that has been done so much in the past is force them to suppress their emotions and their feelings Mm -hmm. um we work against that in our house by helping them name their feelings before working through them um we focus a lot on self-regulation and you know breathing and walking away from situations and that kind of stuff 
and also teaching them how to empathize with people. You know, they need to understand that they have been born with a privilege and in their, you know, white passing maleness. And, you know, we hope that one day they'll do better than the men that have come before them and just set that example for men to come. Yeah, I think they'll be all right with rebel mamas at the helm. (laughs) I think so too. Well, yeah, God help them. So that leads us to how are we going to raise them to value and respect women? How will we ensure that the power of their sex doesn't go to their head and that they use it for good? Well, I guess as with most things in parenting, we have to set an example ourselves. We have to let our kids see us demand the respect we deserve and also step away from traditionally female caregiving roles to give our partners a chance to shine. Sometimes it's very hard to do for moms and we have to continue to balance those scales, right? Because part of it is walking away and, and letting your man do those things and letting putting him in that position. Yeah, and we learned in writing our second book when we were talking about parental leave and how important it is for men to take parental leave that the bond that they form when their baby is little, Mm -hmm. it's priceless. You know, men who form an early bond with their kids are more likely to continue to engage in childcare activities like feeding and diapering as the child goes through toddler years. But the bond is actually proven to continue and strengthen through adolescence which helps boys avoid behavioral problems and helps girls avoid psychological problems. So dads, get in there. Get those diapers changed. Get those diapers changed, mom. Make sure that you remove yourself from the situation every once in a while because it can be really hard to let go of those reins of control. Absolutely. And we were like that too. We're like huge micromanagers. And I think like as a tip for moms, I would say leave the actual house because if you try to, you know, if you try to delegate a, delegate a task to your to your man with this kids, and then you're still upstairs and can hear everything, you will probably get involved. Yes, <laughs> you can't help it. So just walk away, far away, go for a walk. Yes, leave the premises. <laughs> well, that's certainly been a lot to unravel there and think about. So shall we take a little break, Nikita? want to save, invest, and play with money like a man? Join our mission to ensure women are financially literate and fully empowered. Wealthsimple helped us get our shit together and showed us how to play this game to win it. Head over to therebelmama.com now to get up to $10,000 of your money managed for free. Okay, so we're back and we are talking about Dum dum dum. Toddlers. Oh my god. Yeah, two out of five stars maximum. Would not recommend. <laughs> Seriously, it's a real life Virgo nightmare come true. These tiny humans have no sense of decency or reason. They have zero respect for social norms. They could literally give a fuck. And they also <laughs> have no spatial awareness, which sometimes ends in bruises and blood. Oh, and they're mean, man. Like, I actually saw a meme on Instagram that summarizes it so perfectly. My three-year-old asked how long he had to wait until he could stop listening to me. I told him he had to listen to me for the rest of his life. He looked me dead in the eyes and said, I'll listen to you for the rest of your life. (laughs) I mean, the shit they say, you can't make it up. Yeah. That honestly sounds pretty accurate. And I'd like to thank 
our history in nightlife for preparing us for dealing with toddlers. Totally. We even have a chapter in our first book, The Rebel Mama's Handbook for Cool Moms, that deals with this, and it's perfectly titled Your Drunk Friend from College 2.0. Should I read an excerpt? Yes. Okay. Oh, it's been a while. Let's see if I can... (laughs) (laughs) Remember that really drunk friend you had in college? The one you somehow developed a soft spot for? The one who incessantly begged you to go to McDonald's with him after the party? The one you always ended up taking home with you because you thought he would definitely manage to kill himself at some point between the front door and his bed? Well, that friend is back, except this time he's only two feet tall. Yep, your toddler is just a tiny drunk person and it's your job to keep him fed, watered, and rested. Bonus points if you can get him to not act like a wild animal in public. If and when you do make it out of the house, you'd better watch him like a fucking hawk. His lack of balance means he'll be knocking over displays left, right, and center. He'll incessantly beg you to buy him a bag of goldfish crackers and insist on opening a juice box when you're roaming the aisles. Don't be surprised if he tries to steal a chocolate bar in the checkout line. This dude cannot be trusted. He'll laugh at the most inappropriate times, randomly refuse to wear pants, and if he decides to go to the washroom, there will be pee on the floor for you to clean up afterwards. Once he's done destroying your powder room, he'll come out ready to chat, and you better believe he's going to tell you the same damn story over and over again until it's finally time to coerce him into going to bed. Sound about right? (laughs) This is so accurate. I was trying not to laugh the whole way through because it's actually a drunk friend from college. Like, this is so accurate. Okay, so next up, let's discuss the dreaded toddler meltdown. My kid actually wasn't that bad, but I've seen some terrible two shit go down, man. Then, of course, there's a three-nager. Then that's a whole other realm of crazy. And then it's followed by the fuck you fours, which is very real. (laughs) And then that's right in time for you to hand them off to the beautiful people in kindergarten. Yeah, good riddance. (laughs) Good luck over there. Honestly, this was such a hard time in my parenting career, I feel like, because I had kids back to back so Mm -hmm. I was like in I had a toddler around for four years straight which is just too long too much um but in that time I did develop some hacks to deal with them (laughs) when they were losing their minds and I'm going to share them with you now because I'm sure that there's people out there dying for a hack or two so the first one is get on their level so that just means like literally when you talk to them try to look them eye to eye So get down on your knees so that you're the same height as them or like things just don't penetrate their brains. Um, Another thing is to acknowledge their feelings. And that ties into what we were talking about before with helping men and boys name their emotions. Mm. But it's literally like, I understand that this is frustrating for you, but it's mommy's job to not let you play with matches and set yourself on fire. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Just, just a tip. (laughs) I understand the way you're feeling but dot 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 right and then (laughs) bam you hit them with a redirection so get to know a few default things that your toddler really loves and they cannot turn down and when they're losing their minds over something like not being allowed to play with matches after you acknowledge their feelings you redirect for my kids that was giving their toys a bath in the kitchen sink I could get them focused on that no matter what so Mm. If they're doing something, they're freaking out. Okay, great. We understand you want to do that. This is why you can't. 
why don't we go wash your toys in the kitchen sink? <laughs> Distraction is key. Okay, yeah, great. And that's all the parenting tips I've got. <laughs> because they <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> well, that distraction is so key, right? They're so they're I mean, they're kind of like squirrel. Squirrel. Yes. It's so easy to redirect them. So that's your like number one tool that you should yes. be whipping out. Yes, redirection all the way. Okay, so how about toddler food drama? Ugh. This is a big one. We see it come up a lot in our group. Picky eating, hangry, angry kids. Yeah. Toddlers, <laughs> toddlers are notoriously hard critics of literally everything, but we can't let them win. No, we cannot. So we have a little chapter in our book called Who's the Boss? My, spoiler alert. It's fucking you. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just going to read a bit of it. When did dessert become a given rather than a treat or a privilege? Are we seriously letting our tiny and completely irrational spawn make decisions for themselves that could result in diabetes, obesity, and malnutrition? We need to cut that shit out fast. When we consult our kids about basic caregiving matters, like what to eat or when to go to bed, they don't feel taken care of. They freak out and they take on the alpha role in the relationship and disaster ensues. So here's our little, our tips to stopping this shit. For starters, we can stop with the goddamn questions. Some things are not negotiable. We don't want our kids thinking otherwise. It's time to make conscious efforts to change the rhetoric we use in our homes. For example, instead of saying, can you help mama clean up this mess you made, please? Say, before we can play another game, you need to help clean up. Simple, direct, not a fucking question. Yes. This is this is a big one. Just tell them what to do and like move on with your life. Stop being stop with the niceties, you know? Yes, agreed. The same goes for anything related to non-negotiables, namely food and sleep. Paying close attention to word choices is super helpful in reducing occurrences of power confusion. For example, Instead of asking your kids if they want to eat their lunch and if they could please have a bite of their sandwich, your priority should be making sure your kids don't think that mealtime is optional and that they're doing you any favors. My move was always I would just put the plate down in front of my kid and be like, bye, this is your lunch. Never asked him what he wanted. Didn't like beg him to eat it. Like that was his meal. Yeah. And if he didn't eat it, there really was no other choice. <laughs> yeah. Cause and effect is the best punishment. I say that all the time. Like your punishment for not eating your lunch is hunger. Yes. <laughs> See you at dinner. Goodbye. It's easy to learn that way. Like if I put a sandwich in front of you and you throw that sandwich on the floor and the dog eats it, you're going right. to learn what it's like to not have lunch and you're not going to like that feeling. So tomorrow when I put that sandwich in front of you, you're probably going to eat it. But you're setting you're setting yourself up for a better future. When your kids go to school, they're not going to whine and complain about lunch. You know, it's never it's not going to be an issue if you just start it off early. Yeah. So we end off that chapter saying we need them to know who's in charge. And the best way we can do that is to make it very clear that until they can make rational decisions for themselves, everything pertaining to their health and well-being is strictly under parental jurisdiction. <laughs> anything else is fair game so yeah you're the boss girlfriend remind yourself of that your two-year-old toddler is not in charge of you no and don't feel bad if they go hungry for 
couple hours. Well, they won't starve. No. That's the thing. Like, at that age, only infants, like, you know, need to be, like, you need to make the decision to feed them. A toddler will not starve. If they throw a fit and they don't want to eat what you've given them, that's fine. They don't need to eat it. They'll come back begging you for food soon enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, so something that comes up a lot is having to deal with a toddler and a new baby at the same time, which is a whole other level of chaos. Oh my god, I think I still have PTSD from when that was my reality. <laughs> um, when I was going through that, my toddler became the king of sleepovers at his grandparents' house. But that's not as easy now as it was in 2016. So we decided to ask our girls, Lauren and Lanny from Annie and Wren, to chime into this conversation because between the two of them they have seven kids so we consider them the pros <laughs> absolutely so we asked the girls what tips do you have for dealing with a toddler when there's also a newborn on the scene to keep alive let's hear what they had to say okay so lanny aka annie over here and i'm kind of living through this right now because i have a four month old a two-year-old and a four-year-old and basically it's every man for themselves <laughs> no i'm kidding um but really it's kind of about dividing and conquering so me and my husband are just you know we have to split up and figure it out so often one of us will take the two older kids and then it's baby time for the other parent or vice versa um the little guy you know i hope one day he'll be more resilient because of it because of all the chaos and everything going on around around him but he definitely does not get the same amount of attention that the first one did so that's kind of what it is around here it's survival mode but they have each other and it's fun and we're doing the best that we can so there's that (laughs) hilarious and here's here's lauren's two cents hey guys lauren aka run here so even though my kids are a little bit older at one point i had four kids five and under so a couple toddlers a couple newborns just kind of every age thrown into the mix and one thing that i learned pretty early on was that when one kid cries usually another one cries sometimes a third cries sometimes you cry um and really what you have to do is go to the child who can cause the most destruction aka your toddler so even though that newborn cries so painful to hear they're just fine in that crib they're not going anywhere you want to go to the person who's going to um, use a sharpie cut something throw something down a toilet that should be your main focus Um, and yeah honestly the kids who you kind of leave and let self-soothe those are the kids who end up being the most resilient (laughs) (laughs) wow I love them oh my god can you imagine having four children no I need to know more about those grocery bills. I have one child. <laughs> so so I definitely can't imagine that. So you're the smartest one of all of us. Congratulations. Baby. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to pull through. Everybody was trying to talk me into having more. But, you know. And look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about another big one here, which also comes up a lot for toddlers. Potty training. Oh, God. We see these questions pop up in our private group all the time. And we always say, don't bother. Don't fall into the consumerist trap of pull-up diapers and potty training essentials. Amen. The only essentials here are patience, self-restraint, and common sense, which you will know if you read our handbook for cool moms. But honestly, what you really need is like a training seat that attaches to the toilet Mm -hmm. and a bunch of extremely small (laughs) underwear. 
and lots of fucking bribes because you know what smarties work yeah and especially the mini m&ms they're so tiny they won't even make you feel bad so if you're if your toddler does a good one and goes to the bathroom you can give him a couple of mini m&ms and it's, it's it's not the biggest deal but for my little dude pooping was the big one um, although he used the toilet to pee, he still asked for his diaper just to poo in it and throw it out, which was kind of super annoying and wasteful. I remember this phase. Oh my God. <laughs> but I read somewhere it had to do with their anxiety around something leaving their body forever, which is kind of creepy when you think about it that way. So we just stayed patient and positive because we don't want to stress him out anymore about it. And eventually he just felt good about it and let it go like that was a huge moment you know like we always say your kids will grow up to eat and shit pizza all day so this won't matter at all it's just a phase chill don't stress out don't stress them out it'll be fine yes the kids are all right okay so a few other rebel mama tips for your emotionally unstable toddler that we have in our (laughs) toolkit Music is a good one. It's such an easy and simple way to change the mood to distract your child from their current drama. And I'm not talking about like old McDonald shit. Like play play your stuff. Classic rock, 90s hip hop, Sade, Prince, Daft Punk, whatever floats your boat, you know? Yes. And this will give your kids some solid taste in music too. And you know, we're all about those cultured little humans. And the same mm-hmm. goes for TV. My kids never watched The Wiggles because The Wiggles are fucking bullshit. He's the worst. (laughs) In my humble opinion. And same with Caillou. He is also the worst. Oh, so annoying. But there are some quality shows on TV that teach kids politeness without bursting your eardrums. And some of our favorites were anything Dr. Seuss, Peppa Pig, that fucking pig is so polite. Have your kid Mm -hmm. saying thank you with a British accent. (laughs) Daniel Tiger, Curious George. My kids still love Curious George. And it's Mine like too. the most chill, minimal music, no bright. No fighting. No fighting. <laughs> Wild Kratz is great, super educational. And of course, the OG Sesame Street. Oh, I love Sesame Street. What a classic. I know. And Michelle Obama's new show. We need to get into this too. Her little Muppet cooking show that she's oh, created. Yes. yes. We do need to get into this. There's also another one. Oh man, I forgot the title. It's it's a late night show for kids. Um, it's something about Ned and it's like an <laughs> alien and he does a late night show and he has all these guests on that are like comics and Come actors. On. Yeah, it's so cool. I'll find it for you guys. It's on Netflix? I think it's on Disney Plus. Okay, we're gonna have to put this in stories. Yes, um, and ha- like having said all this about TV, because we can clearly talk about it forever. Don't feel bad about screen time. You know, I was babysat by the box in the eighties, and me and my sister turned out fine. If anything, I actually don't care much for TV, and I never did. You know, the novelty kind of wore off. Yeah, I agree. I just I think that we place so much stress around these things like just give it up it's fine it is what it is it's like tv is not going anywhere it's gonna be a part of their life so either teach them how to use it in a way that's not destructive or you know 
don't let them watch anything at all and then see them go buck wild for it. <laughs> and it's COVID now anyways. So yes. like no rules apply. Yeah. <laughs> like don't yeah. worry about your screen time. Exactly. Okay. So how about this one? How about Mission Impossible that is getting them dressed and out the fucking door? Oh my God. So long. I could literally feel myself <laughs> aging when it was happening. I was, I mean, I was always pro letting my kid get dressed for himself because obviously it's a good skill set to have, but I was always a stickler on having a sense of urgency and being on time. And what worked for me was making it a competitive thing. Like I would just be like, I'm going to count to 10, but you can't put your shoes on because I just like, I can't handle keeping people waiting or like we had an appointment or if you have to go to school and you want to teach your kids that being on time is important too. Agreed. And my tip with more than one kid is yes, because I also am a psycho for punctuality. And we just started getting ready like 15 minutes before we had to leave because I did need them to know how to do it themselves. My kids mm-hmm. are, my kids went to kindergarten knowing how to like get all their stuff on and off. And that was really important to me. And I just gave them the time to figure it out. Like if I, were to leave it till we had one minute to get out of the house we were screwed but if I said okay guys it's you know it's 8 15 gotta get out of here at 8 30 like start putting your coats on (laughs) it you know it gave them the time they weren't rushed and panicked and then they just have gotten quicker at it over time now I don't help them at all it's amazing I gotta say like toddlers are probably one of the most difficult stages yes I had a very hard time with the toddler phase and that's just because of who we are too we like to have control we appreciate social conventions um cleanliness cleanliness all structure the toddlers <laughs> no fucks about are very important to us so <laughs> that was a challenging time in our life for sure well clearly we could be here forever tearing down toddlers but <laughs> we need to get some shit done today so this will conclude our episode of the rebel mama hotline We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll be back next week with our two fire topics, what's up with IG filters, and what's up with postpartum periods. Oh, the joys. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Make sure you subscribe and rate so we can blow this baby up. Yeah, baby. The bigger it gets, the more opportunity for celebrity guests. Like Jeff Goldblum? Oh, fuck. Definitely like Jeff Goldblum. Before we go, we want to say another big thank you to the wonderful people who chimed into today's conversation. Our friend Chris O, today's representative for men, and our girls Lauren and Lanny, moms of four and three respectively, and the brains behind Annie and Wren, the coolest maternity and beyond shop in Toronto. The song you're listening to is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music. See you next week.